0: Welcome to Mind Your Mind. Mind Your Mind podcast is for busy people like you who want to enjoy life and free up their time and emotional space by learning valuable tools for self-care and mindfulness. Our weekly topics are filled with compelling discussions and practical solutions to increase your productivity and healthy living. I'm your host, Joseph Tropper, and I'm honored to have you here with me today. Welcome to episode 29, Five Stages of Grieving. For some people, they may be very familiar with Elizabeth Skulder Ross's approach and her five stages. And so I'm going to develop them in a lot uh, more of a advanced way than what I hope you've been exposed to. And for those that are not familiar with her work, I recommend that you check it out. One of the things about grief counseling is that it's not only for someone that suffered the loss of a loved one uh, who's braving um, a death, but it's also just uh, something that can be used in life. I've used uh, grief counseling for people that have lost jobs, have lost spouses, have lost hopes, shattered dreams, and who in our life has not experienced some type of loss or setback. Um, Grief is never just about the loss of that person. It's a very personal, uh, religious, emotional, psychological, uh, and or all of those uh, experience uh, where a person is put face to face with their own vulnerability and their own frustrations in life and their own uh, longings of things that they are hoping for and things that seem to be interrupted. And so as we go through this grief counseling ideas, um, I know that it's a topic that a lot of people don't like to talk about, clients don't like to be in that place of pain, and a lot of clinicians are afraid to enter that place as well, but there's just so much that can be done. So I'm going to provide three things today. Firstly, I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. Uh, secondly, I'll talk about her five stages and try to develop them in a way that is maybe perhaps different than how it's been conceptualized for you. And thirdly, I'm going to talk about uh, some grief counseling techniques uh, that a person could implement today. So Elizabeth Kubler Ross was a Swiss woman. Uh, She was actually triplets, the oldest of three girls, and uh, she was born in 1926 and uh, passed away in 2004. She was actually American trained as a MD. She was a doctor and a psychiatrist, Um, and she really had a a great heart and amazing compassion for other people. And she was also a mentor of Bernie uh, Siegel, who I spoke about on an earlier episode. Um, Probably one of the forerunners of uh, innate health and really taking care of yourself. And she developed this model uh, in in a very, very compassionate and sensitive way with her experience and working with people who are dealing with the psychiatric issues um, induced by grief. And she developed what she believed was a model, and she actually published her book in 1969. And the book was entitled, uh, of course, appropriately, called On Death and Dying, um, and I think that it's a classic and an amazing book, but uh, one thing that is just so important is that it's not just about death at all. And uh, in 1995, she actually had a series of a number of strokes that left her paralyzed um, and uh, ultimately passed away in 2004. But she actually c- came together with her one of her original co-authors, uh, grief expert David Kessler, and uh, she adapted these stages into their their book, which was called On Grief and Grieving. And again, just a development. And I know that a lot of clients find these resources very, very helpful when they're working through their own uh, grief counseling. So let's talk about the five stages. So the five stages, uh, which she has, are put very simply, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. And I'll go through each one. But what you need to understand is that they're not necessarily stages that you go through in that order. Um, and they're not necessarily ones that always last, meaning that it's not just that you go through the process and then, okay, you go from denial to anger, bargaining, depression, and now I'm at acceptance. I'm good. People fluctuate. Uh, some people spend time in not necessarily going in that order, although that order also has its place where it often does play out at first or sometimes a little later. Um, but also a person could go to, from denial and then to anger and then bargaining And then go back to anger again or back to denial again. And so they're really just stages that a person needs to be sensitive to. So let's talk about kind of the gradual process of the grief. And then you'll start to understand how... On the one hand, there's a logical construct here, and an emotional construct. By the other hand, you'll see how people could fluctuate and end up back in other places um, as they work through it. And sometimes a person can even reach acceptance, but then go back and still have a little denial or a little anger, and you'll start seeing how that works. So denial is the first normal stage person is in denial. I just can't believe it. It's ho- so hard to understand that this person uh, was just roaming the earth with me, and now they're no longer here. And remember, uh, grief counseling is for people that have made any loss, any loss in their life. So I had this job or I had this person in my life and, and now they left me and now I don't have them anymore or I had this hope or, or this aspiration or I was planning to graduate medical school and now I was kicked out. So there's so many different areas of denial where we just deny it. And it's very common for us and if you thought that you were strange, you're not at all, not to delete phone numbers or contact information or, or messages that we have from the loved one. And I know a lot of people, a lot of my clients tell me that they call the phone of their uh, loved ones who passed away and just to hear their voice, or just to say, "Hey, I could call their phone," even if the number has been uh, relinquished and someone else has it. So denial is just a very normal, natural thing to just not be able to believe and comprehend what what has actually happened and how uh, this person has left our life. The next stage is anger. Well, as we start to recognize uh, that this person is gone, we're filled with a tremendous amount of anger—anger anger about regret uh, of not spending time with this person, anger at the doctors who didn't. Help as much as they what we think they could have. Anger at the person themselves who didn't listen to the doctors and didn't or did something foolish that caused them to die or uh, didn't try so a different intervention that maybe could have helped them. So just all out anger at all different things or anger at someone for abandoning you. Totally normal and natural. And that is why it is so important to join uh, grieving groups and speak to other people and realize how normal we are. The next stage is bargaining. So, bargaining is kind of thinking to yourself, if only. You know, if we would have if I would have stayed with that person longer, it would have been better if I wouldn't have gone home to take care of my own needs for that day, maybe I would have been there when they passed away. If I would have tried a different doctor, if I would have demanded that they do this procedure or not do this procedure. So we have this normal natural tendency to bargain and think, well, maybe, Maybe it would have been different had it had I done something else. And the truth is that nothing could change the past and nothing could bring back this person. But it's totally normal and human to start bargaining and blaming yourself and thinking that maybe things could have been different in a different way or maybe if that person would have died, then this person would still be alive. And we have all different types of thoughts that are totally normal and human. The next one, is depression. And a lot of people think that depression is just, yeah, I'm sad about what happened. But if you think about it, it's actually a certain amount of awareness, because now I'm, I have under, I understand this person actually died, and I missed them, and I was angry about it. And I was a bargain, and I tried to get them back, and it didn't work. So danger is actually, depression, excuse me, is actually one of the start starts of, 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 of the final stage of acceptance. But it, it means that it starts to sink in, this person is no longer here. And I feel really sad that they're not here and part of my life. And so that's a very, very normal, Fourth stage, and and uh, psychiatrists and doctors are always encouraged to be careful not to necessarily prescribe anything for grief. Um, if if things are the normal range of grief, and and everyone has different ways of grieving and different customs and different cultural backgrounds, but but we understand that usually the first few days are the most painful, especially the first seven, first three, first seven are very very painful. The first month is extremely painful. The first year is extremely painful. But at what point does a person reach out for help? Help is always available at any time. But if a person feels that they're not managing or they need more support, then they're encouraged to, to reach out. Um, and these stages are very, very normal. And finally, the acceptance stage is, it doesn't mean that they accept the situation that they're happy with it, but it just means that they understand that the person uh, either ha- that with a spiritual understanding or intellectual understanding or emotional understanding, um, that they understand this person has passed on and they are ready to move on in their life um, in, in in whatever that entails. And so, once again, now with this introduction, you can understand why sometimes we'll come back to other ones, and even after the acceptance, there could still be a little bit of a bout of denial. Uh, it's very normal to see a car that reminds you of the person who is deceased and think, "Oh, is that their car?" Or it's very normal to feel angry. Um, there's anniversary triggers of birthdays and death days and and other things and holidays that bring up a lot, a lot of. Uh, negative feelings and so just being aware of that and taking care of yourself is so important and again I can't stress this enough getting support is so important and also understanding that these stages of grief apply to so many parts of life when any change that takes place that is disappointing unexpected and sad that is just uh, so prevalent the last thing I'm going to leave you off with is from the grief Recovery Institute they have a process of writing a, a letter and I find this very effective especially when I do it with my clients directly and I've worked with many people on this as well. It's called the five-step letter. And so I'll outline what it is. And if you want more information, just reach out to me. I'll be happy to talk to you about that. So the five-step letter is like this. Number one is to write down a timeline of the happy moments and memories that you have uh, with, with the deceased one, things that were never said, things that you wish you would have shared, just moments of happiness or even sadness and hurt that just kind of express some of the relationship experiences. Um, and again, this could be very, very emotional. So find the right support when you do this. And uh, it, it could be very, very therapeutic and, and healing as well. Number two is write a letter about what I miss, the hurt, guilt, things that were never said out loud that I wish should have been said or, or couldn't have been said back then, but I would like to say now. And again, there's just so much healing that takes place in, 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 in uh, bringing out these emotions. Number three is just general thoughts of memories and feelings. You'll see a shift in yourself that things start to change when you start doing these uh, exercises that my thoughts and memories and feelings are different. Uh, Number four is saying goodbye, uh, how that would look, how I want it to look and how it sounds right now. Um, Just uh, such a painful thing, but uh, just facing the reality and uh, doing it in a dignified manner. And number five, sharing with others when you're ready. And this one is so important not to do with others until you're ready. Um, but just reaching out for other people. And again, so many people in life have different stages of loss and grief. One of the most profound things that I've learned about grief counseling is that very often we remember, uh, first of all, we remember the, the, the deceased person in the, their last moments of life, in their last hours, minutes, or days, or sometimes months and years, and we have only negative or, or sad feelings of how incapacitated and sickly this person was. Uh, and how scared we were that they were dying. But we forget that they lived a beautiful life and an amazing life and, and a powerful life that impacted us um, in some way. And if we could focus on uh, that grief grief does not mean that, hey, if as long as I'm still sad, that means that I'm keeping you in my heart, and it means you're still there. On the contrary, uh, grief means a process of learning how to integrate the love and all the memories in a spiritual, emotional, intellectual way, um, and I encourage you to, if you do have a spiritual background, to look into your spiritual beliefs about what death represents and what it is. And um, to one of my clients, I, I, I asked her, um, so, you know, you're describing uh, this very important person in your life and, um, you know, how she was filled with love and loved you unconditionally. But has, does that stop at death? And once once she started thinking about the power of that statement, she said, no, she still loves me and I still love her. And she, uh, she later reported to me that was one of the most powerful moments of our entire uh, grief counseling sessions. So just that recognition from a spiritual, intellectual, emotional, psychological uh, realm, there, there's so much that can be said. But celebrate the person's life. And celebrating doesn't mean feeling guilty about moving on in life. Or celebrate the good times at the job that you had or good times with the person that you were with or, or any type of loss that you're mourning. And understand that that is part of uh, moving forward, being healthy, being able to look at the good and saying better to have loved and to lost than to have not never loved at all and perhaps even understanding that some of that love can endure as well the the test of time because we hold that love in our hearts forever i hope this was helpful and once again it, it cannot be understressed if you need help reach out because there are so many people grief is something that we all have to deal with in life we all have losses in life it's impossible not to go through life and not have some type of loss of some sort or magnitude And uh, it's something that there is a tremendous amount of resources and research and people that are uh, looking and waiting to help you. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget to mind your mind for more practical ideas. And to make sure you never miss an episode, visit us at mindyourmindonline.com.